You know this song? Yeah. <laughs> it's pretty good, right? Yeah. What's up, everyone? Paul Apostolak is here with Live on Real Estate, your source for all things mortgage and real estate related. I am your host again, Paul Apostolakis. I got Sal Kuzmano. How's it going, man? Good, man. How are you? You like that song? I, I do. I, I liked it until they started singing. What do you mean? It's the weekend, man. Yeah, I know. All right. Uh, special <laughs> guest, Isaac Whitney. He is a uh, insurance specialist. You do a lot of insuring. I do. Lots of it. Yeah? Lots of insuring. Lots of insuring. <laughs> That's awesome. So Isaac's going to talk to us about homeowner's insurance. It's a big part of actually buying a house that I don't think we talk enough about. It's important and the whole process of getting it, how to get it, who to get it from. So we'll talk a little bit about that. We've got some headlines. Uh, most buyers uh, actively trying to get a home have been searching for three plus months. We'll talk a little bit about that. We'll talk a little bit about the CFPB and we're going to talk a little bit about uh, renters and them wanting to buy a house but are having a hard time doing it. Uh, before we get started, obviously, I want everybody to go to liveonrealestate.com. Like, share, repeat. Do well, how, do, how does it work again, Sal? Tell everybody how to do it. If you have an iPhone, click yeah, the uh, podcast app yep. and search for Live on Real Estate. There it is. <laughs> Love so having man. It's good having millennials around. Yeah, man. I don't, so I don't people know. People have iPhones. Otherwise, I wouldn't know what to do. Uh, so, Isaac, give <laughs> us some background on you, man. I know you do a really good job with insurance. You're kind Thank of you. our go-to guy. So tell me a little bit about what you do, how you do it, and why you're good at it. I started about 12 years ago, and when I moved back here from Florida. 12 eight, years? 12 years. How old so, are you? Uh, 23. <laughs> so, um, you know, when I was real little. Yeah. <laughs> right? Okay. Um, anyway, I uh, was looking for, you know, a good career, and I stumbled across an excellent opportunity with a direct carrier. I did that for about uh, 10, 11 years, okay. and then switched over to the independent world. Yeah. And what I really pride myself on is helping people out. It, one, finding great coverage for them, and two, finding excellent rates, yeah. and then obviously helping you guys out. Yeah, no, you. I mean, obviously, I mean, you did my insurance, um, and mine too. <laughs> yours too, right? Yeah, yeah. So uh, it, it happens. I, uh, <laughs> I, I will tell you that I was surprised by the level of coverage I was able to get at such a better rate than I was paying. And I was going through like a national brand, right? Sure. Directly. Um, so, you know, what is the difference between going through like a guy like you, mm -hmm. who's a little bit more independent and kind of just more direct as opposed to going, you know, and I'm going to use names, but like a state farm or a progressive or, or Geico, who, by the way, they've got good commercials, right? Yeah, they do. Yeah. You know, I would say that they're all good carriers. They're all good companies. They are. They are. Yep. I would never put any of them down. But I will say that the difference, regardless of if I was with one of those companies or whoever I'm with, the difference in dealing with an average company, or I should say an average agent versus someone like myself, is you have someone who knows the right type of coverage, who builds a relationship. So I want to have a relationship with somebody for a very, very long time. And two, looking for the right discounts. And then Three, uh, four would be, you know, the turnaround time. You'd, I've worked with many agents. I've come across a lot of agents, and I would say that there are just probably like in your industry too. There's people who are not motivated to help people out, and you know, your first, your first uh, goal needs to be the service. Yeah, I mean, it's mm -hmm. it's funny, Sal, because I mean, I'll, I'll tell you, I had a situation where. 
you know, I got into a little bit of a bind. Um, so you did too, actually. I think. I, I think, and it was very nice because I could actually pick up the phone or text you and say, "Hey, Isaac, dude, this just happened." Yes, what I remember I, that. Yeah, I'm like, I'm like, <laughs> I just got into uh, a situation. Uh, it was with my car. Um, yeah, and uh, and he and you were like, "This is what you're gonna do. This is how it's gonna work." And this is, don't worry about. The, and like, it was very nice having that like open line of, where I, if I had like a progressive, I don't think I could have like yeah. picked up the phone and been like, "Dude, what what do I do?" You know, typically when you deal with the online companies, you're dealing with a different person every time that you call yeah. back. So like myself, I, I do a very, very good job at building relationships with people. And I've, I've become friends with a lot of clients, become friends with you guys, yeah. you know, so it's, that's the difference in dealing with somebody yeah. who is, you know, in 1-800 number versus myself, local agent that you can call and you know, it's going to take care of you. Well, and yeah. the agent represents the client, right? Yes. So when I... I had a car and I uh, had it insured with one of the big companies with good commercials. <laughs> and uh, there was a flood here. And like you said, every time I called in, I get someone else and uh, ended up costing me about six grand. You sure. Know? I mean, yeah. I, I lost a car tough, in that yeah. flood. Just Man. so everybody knows, in Metro Detroit, there was this flash flood. I decided, in my infinite <laughs> wisdom, to try to drive through a puddle, which Man. I thought was a puddle. Same. Um, same parking lot, I think. No, we didn't mine, even know each other. No, mine was actually like in, on the road, and oh, man. yeah, and I, I, you know, my car turned into a boat. I had a, it was just a low riding car. I didn't. I don't know why I thought I could make it. Paul drives a C class through like a seven foot <laughs> puddle. Yeah, so <laughs> and sinks it. Uh, by the way, I called the police that day. They hung up on me because they didn't matter what was going yeah. on with my life. People, it was wild. So, anyways, so in that moment, yeah, I also had to go through a, a claim, and it, it wasn't smooth. Right. And I didn't, it wasn't great. Right. Yeah. So, um, you know, another thing you wanted to talk about was, and I think this is important. What should people, humans that do look for uh, policy, what should they look for? I mean, what do you, cause I don't know. Right. I trust. I like when I talked to you, I remember saying, Hey man, is this good coverage? Or you're like, yeah, yeah. And this is what it was. And you kind of went through it, but sure. people don't know what to look for. Right. What I found is 99% of the time, and that's not an understatement or an exaggeration, yeah. most that that level, unless you're an agent or have decided that you're going to study insurance, which I don't know many people that they wake up and say that's what they're going to do during the right. day, you need to have a trusted agent. And there, it would be very easy for me to remove coverage to make your policy look, we'll call it cheap. Mm -hmm. But when you get a cheap policy you get cheap coverage. And then when you have a claim, you're going to spend a lot of money. So what you need to look for, there's the basic coverages, the dwelling, your contents, your personal property, the liability coverage. But for very minimal cost, you can actually add on additional coverages that are very important to have. That mm -hmm. if you have an older home, just for, I'll throw out an insurance term, ordinance or, ordinance or law. That's a very big one to have if you have an older home. Most people might not ever have even heard that term. No. So that's a what very good question. So it covers the additional costs where if you have a, a partial loss, and let's say, just for example, you have to update the codes or maybe the wiring in your home. If you don't have that co that coverage on your policy, you may end up paying that out of pocket. Okay. Got it. That's just a, a basic. So easy stuff like just it, it, like I know when we did our, you were like, "Hey, do you want this umbrella?" Well, I don't even know yes. what that means to yes. this day. But you're like, "Do it," and I'm like, oh, "Okay." 
<laughs> you well, know what I mean? That's, that's exactly how yeah, it went. That's a, that's a huge one that I recommend to everyone, and it gives you additional liability coverage. You know, if, if you have a swimming pool, if you're on the water, if you have any large amount of net worth, you know, you need an umbrella policy yeah. that gives you that extra liability coverage. And there's a lot of agents that I, when I talk to a client, they'll say, I've never even heard of that. Yeah. It's like, well, why did your agent, you've been with them for 10, 20 years, you've never heard of that? Right. It's scary. I didn't know well, it was. It's right. so funny from our perspective, right? Um, we're always talking to buyers, have you gotten your homeowner's insurance? Have you gotten your homeowner's insurance? Sure. Uh, and they're like, well, we're in the process of shopping. This company's 900 a year. This company's 1000 I really want to go with the $900 one. And I'm like, well, make sure you talk to them about the coverages, what you're getting. Right. And in reality, like they're looking at that nine hundred versus a thousand number. When, what is that? Eight bucks a month. Right. The cost of a Jimmy John's. Right. <laughs> and like, Why is it always food with you, man? man. I just, I mean, gi- I mean, <laughs> you need some, man. I'm just You're looking kind of gaunt. No, I'm looking good, <laughs> man. I mean, you, man. Every time we are on the show, food comes up. I don't know what it is. Okay, it's just me. You're a hungry That's human. His deal. Yeah, he's a foodie. Love food. He loves his Love food. food. I, it's out there. I, yeah, I love food. I know. But, uh, <laughs> yeah. Jesus well, anyway, Christ. all right. Where were we? What's it? Where were we? <laughs> I, don't, I don't know. Thanks for derailing me. But, yeah, the uh, cost of a Jimmy John's. Yeah. For the cost of a Jimmy John's, it could save you uh, hundreds of thousands down the road. For Absolutely. Like an umbrella, umbrella policy. This is how – I always say this. Insurance is like you should have good insurance. Like health insurance, you – like – I should be insuring my body for like the highest level possible, right? Like it's my body, right? I right. don't. You don't go cheap on your insurance. You don't go cheap on your homeowner's insurance, you, because if you ever have a problem, that little like savings that you had is not worth it. Right. right? Absolutely not worth it. I mean, it. you might as well be uninsured. Either don't do it, right, or go all the way. A- absolutely. You know? Yeah. So let's get into some of these headlines, guys. Um, first one we'll go into is. Home buyers actively trying to get a home have been searching for three plus months. So there's a there's a graph uh, here that shows 39% of people uh, looking for homes found them in the first three months. 61% have been looking for three months or longer. Um, the biggest problem people are having is affordability. They're they're just not having a, an easy time finding homes in their price range. Um, the next one is finding homes with features they want. You know, it's just you know, it's taking longer for people to find the proper home um, that they've been looking for. And I, I think Sal, you and I see this. I mean, it's rare yeah. that we get like a okay, hey, pre-approve me. Hey, I found my house. I'm done. Right? Yeah. It's, it's like rare. it's rare now. It's like hey, get me pre-approved, and uh, I put in an offer on this house. It didn't work out. Oh, I, I went and looked mm-hmm. at this house. That didn't work out. I didn't like this. Right. this house is too much it 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 seems as though it's becoming harder to find a house yeah well i would say that the biggest factor is the lack of homes available on the market yeah um which is driving prices up so when one does hit it's out of their price range right you know and uh they're probably looking where their friends bought two years ago for fifty thousand dollars less right and they're looking and oh well i want to be in royal oak that's where all my friends are right and they're either renting or bought years ago and it's like oh you got to pay three and a grand, you know? Yeah. I mean, it, it is, I mean, the housing, and are you seeing this on the insurance side, Isaac, like that, you know, these homes are, are more like you're more and more expensive. So it must change the, the cost of the policies, right? It's funny because I remember years ago when the market crashed, I, I was having an obstacle where I was having to explain why we need to insure your home for more than what you 
paid for it because you were buying so low due to the market, but the replacement cost was so much more. That's now, funny. Now yeah. it's going the opposite way where we're actually having to insure for sometimes a little bit more because the value of the property and the value of the home or the loan is more than what the replacement cost yeah. is. So, so think about that. It, it costs less to replace the house than to, or like rebuild the home. Let's say like it burned down in a fire, hypothetically, right? right? Yep. And you rebuild that house, it actually would cost you less to buy that same house in that neighborhood. Well, yeah. Yeah. That's crazy. I mean, a 1,500 square foot home in Birmingham might cost oh $650,000, but half of that value is the land at Birmingham, least. Birmingham, Alabama? You know? Yeah. Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Yeah, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know. I don't know what it's like down Just there. Just so everybody knows, we do have listeners in different countries and different states, uh, wow. <laughs> surprisingly. But no, Birmingham, Michigan is like uh, a very high end part of uh, our local area here, just mm-hmm. so everybody knows. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny because if you were to take that same home and put it out, it, we'll say in it, the country. Right, where you live. <laughs> yeah, where I live. Yeah. You're going to pay a fraction of right. what the cost. So it's just it's interesting how that, yeah. how that works. So does it affect the policy, um, obviously? So you're just you're, are you generally looking at replacement value? Yes, right. 100% replacement value, and then there's extended replacement cost on top of that, which is included in all the packages. But sometimes when you get, we'll use Birmingham, Michigan as an example, the banks required the right. coverage to be higher because the loan. Yeah, they yeah. have to be paid in the event of a yeah. fire. Yeah. Right. So yeah. if the replacement cost is three hundred thousand on a but I have a four hundred thousand dollar loan. Right. I mean, you still have to insure the loan. Right. So then we increase the coverage to in cover order that. to satisfy the loan. Can I ask yeah. you a question? How come when I when I lost my car in, in the Great Flood, right? How come I didn't get enough money to buy another car? Did you have gap insurance? No, I didn't know. I don't know what I had. I mean, I don't know. That's yeah, a bad role. Yeah, I did not. I mean, luckily, like I got a good deal on my car when I first bought it because I have family in, in the industry. But like, had I not, I didn't get enough money to pay for a new car that I lost. So they're going to look at the value of the vehicle at the time of loss. But with that, companies actually insurance companies have started offering a type of gap insurance based on how old the vehicle is. But that's so dumb. Uh, Just between us, like, it's so dumb. Like, I paid for insurance for my car. I expect that, like, if it gets flooded, that I can replace it. What are you looking for? What, you paid for it? No, I'm looking to just get the same car on the market. I couldn't do it, right? You should have. And I couldn't. (laughs) Well, and I don't know the whole story on the claim, but you should have. And then... With that, the the dealerships can offer gap insurance as well. Really? So it's, I, I don't. What's sell. the gap insurance? I don't understand. What so let's say your your car's worth five thousand dollars, right? Yeah. And your loan is ten thousand. God forbid. Right. It covers that gap. Man. I had I had no 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 loan on my car. It was paid off. Well, that's the, that's have, my point. You would have no need for gap. Insurance I had a then. twenty thousand dollar car. Yep. And or let's call it twenty thousand. Right. I lost it in a flood. Right, mm-hmm. I went to go buy the same car. Uh, they gave me twenty thousand. Every other car, the cheapest on the market was twenty two thousand with the same miles, or twenty four thousand. Right. Well, that's good because that's showing you're interested in a more valuable car. Oh, that's what. There you go. <laughs> this the king of spit. But do you see what I'm so saying? How, yeah. I, yeah. How is your car a twenty thousand dollar car if the cheapest one on the market was twenty four? That's what I got for it from the insurance companies. What I'm saying. Well, 
in again, I don't know the whole story, but did you talk to the adjuster about that and tell him, look, these are what the cars. I mean, are I worth. had to go back through, and the only way I got, I'm like, there was wood grain, and they're like, oh, there's here's another hundred bucks. And did you have a personal <laughs> relationship with your agent? No. Dude, okay, man. No. Yeah. So lesson so. learned. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, very, I'm, I'm just being funny. Yeah. You, Hey, at least you got a check. I had to write one. Yeah, well, you're you're really bad with your money, so. Uh, <laughs> Isaac almost spit up his drink. Uh, most renters want to own a home. Lifestyle changes are top motivation to buy. Um, this was a NAR um, report that they did. Basically, there's a lot of renters that want to buy a house right now. Um, rents are going up. They're they're not getting cheaper, um, and these renters aren't finding anything that's affordable and like if you're renting a house for 900 or an apartment for 900 dollars a month it's kind of hard to find a house in a metro area right now that's going to give you um that payment that's readily available right mm-hmm. I, like, there's just not the inventory for a lot of these people that are renting this this speaks more to me than anything that the housing market is going to be very strong for a very long time because rents will keep rising and the cost of home ownership will be better overall and it will still be a very good investment but this is a big problem and this is an inventory problem it's it's less less like a a market problem than it is an actual inventory problem people just don't have the opportunity to find a house that they can live in that's comparable to their rent right now yeah i mean it's uh it's tough i mean it's tough to find the right house right and then you might find a house that you can rent that you like more than the house you can buy just due to the lack of inventory. But, you know, if you're looking at it from a financial perspective, I mean, obviously it, it probably almost always makes sense to buy unless you're renting from a family member for nothing. You yeah. Know? So, so do you think that deters people from wanting to sell knowing that they can't find, is that part, does that add into the inventory issue? Where it's a, it's a very, it's a very hard, yeah, it's a great question. So, one of the biggest thing that's deterring people right now is I want to I want to sell my house. I'm going to mm-hmm. get good money for my house. Sure. I've, I've made money. I've made fifty, a hundred thousand dollars in my house. But where am I going to go? Right? right. And then and then most most sellers, right? I'm selling my house. I don't want to take a contract that's contingent right. on the sale of your home. Sure. So I can't. I I have to sell to buy, but the people selling their homes don't want to yeah. wait for that. It's a. It's, I can't it, buy until I sell. Right. Right. Mm-hmm. Or I can't. It, and it's a, a common question that that we have. So really, the the people in the market right now who have a leg up are the people who can buy without selling, right? They sure. can find the right house, buy it, and then take their time. Or first time home buyers, right? Right. right. That's the only other who option. Are, who are renting? Yeah. Yeah. So I mean, there used to be uh, very prevalent in our industry called bridge loans, where you could take the equity that you have in your house, pull it out, use it to buy the new house, and then sell your home, right? Um, there's no real via, they, they, there's some people doing it, but it it, it basically yeah. got phased out after 2008. It's, it's dangerous, right? There, a lot of people got left holding the bag on these on these short term loans. And you can still do something similar by taking a home equity line, or, sure. or it's hard to go to 100 percent financing. Well, you know, regardless, right? You still have to qualify for it, so you have to carry the payment for that. Your current home, if you have a mortgage on, right? All That's your other debt yeah. and the new one. So, you know, when when a real estate agent, you know has a buyer that's, you know, non-contingent on selling their home and the, the buyer's willing to do so, that's like a a strong buyer, someone who can actually make something happen. But like you said, if you're moving from house to house and you have to sell to buy, I mean, the chances of getting your offer accepted in this market where it's a feeding frenzy as soon as a house hits the market is, is slim to none. Right. 
Yeah, it's and that's causing part of the, uh, that's a part of the equation. It's mm -hmm. causing the shortage of homes on the market because people can't sell. Yeah, they can't sell. You know? Right. It's a it's a yeah. problem. Now, if you're going to go build a new home, that that also could alleviate that as well. If you're moving from an existing home and okay, it's going to take a year to build your home, right? Mm -hmm. And in the meantime, you kind of so I'll give you an example. Of, like for me, like I I probably. I was looking at houses. I was having a baby. I probably wouldn't have moved the way that I did, but someone literally knocked on my door and said, I've got a buyer for your place. It was a nice condo in, a, in the downtown area. So that forced me now, okay, my house is sold. I have to find another house, mm -hmm. right? So it really pushed the envelope. I believe that people right now that, that are thinking about selling, you're not going to move unless you list your house and put it up for sale. It'll, it'll put your feet to the fire and you will end up finding a place to live. Mm -hmm. It's when you don't have that motivation that causes a lot of that. And, you know, if you, if, if, it's a stressful situation. For sure. Because you don't know. No, there, there are some protections in place where it's not like you're going to be homeless, right? You could put 60 days after you close sure. that you rent basically the, the house you lived in for X amount of years from the new buyer. But it's uh, still, you know, basically as soon as you list your house, at the most you probably have at the absolute most, you have 120 days to be out. Wow. You know? Yeah. So uh, another headline, uh, the last one of the day. Um, Tough Monday ripped in budget and reined in by new chief, CFPB. So the CFPB funding is being cut by, by Trump's new plan. Uh, also, um, the acting director right now, Mulvaney, um, is basically... Uh, has, has stated very publicly that he's going to rein in a lot of the penalties that they were levying on people. Um, Mulvaney had a, was very critical of the CFPB prior to taking this position, which is funny. He actually was very critical on the way that they handed down penalties. He was very critical on the vagueness of the laws and how the actual agency carried so much power. I mean, a key criticism, the agency's director has too much power to issue rules and penalize companies without accountability from lawmakers. It really was. I mean, they could just hand down these penalties without a lot of jurisdiction. I mean, it was just they were had a, very, a lot of power, which really affected our mortgage side of the business. Because and the hardest part about all of this was, in my opinion, was that the rules were very vague. We're governed in the mortgage side by a lot of different agencies. RESPA, TILA. I mean, there's all these different regulatory uh, agencies that, that, that watch us like like a hawk. We're, we're probably the, the most like uh, watched industry in the, in the country. And the CFPB would come out with rulings and they were so vague, you didn't know what to do, right? We, there was no, and then they would just, they would, and you would wait for them to basically find someone millions and millions of dollars to set precedent. And that's the only way you really found out what was really going on. So I actually like this. I I like I want to have clarity. I like I personally like regulation. I think it gets a lot of the riffraff out of our industry. I don't like when people can just be in our industry and kind of diminish the the legitimacy of like what we do. At the same time, I I want to know what the rules are. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. and, and Sal, I mean we lived through this. I mean how many times have we heard? Well, the interpretation of this law to us is this, right? And, uh, you know, you work with different lenders and, well, so-and-so can do this, so-and-so can't. There's a lot of gray areas in which, you know, people get lucky or people don't. And I've had to, you know, deny loans because our lender wouldn't. And I hear, oh, I went with so-and-so and, and vice versa. I was at my bank. They deny me for this. More often than not, you know, I'm ending up 
saving someone's loan halfway through the process because X wouldn't do it, right? And yeah. that client's out a thousand extra dollars due to their appraisal and their inspection or whatever. And uh, I think, like you said, some clarity would be nice because if we knew the rules, it'd be very easy to abide by them. Right. Like Im- to- imagine if you went to work every day and <clears throat> you the rule was that you had to punch in by a certain time or else you would get in trouble. But then because they felt as though that you weren't punching in early enough, like five minutes early that you got penalized. For, like it's just like you if you don't know the rule, you can't follow it. It's sure. so crazy. Yeah. Now it's crazy. Yeah. The, the rules now. Part of it, though, what I I mean, I guess what I like about the rules sometimes is it creates it, it and it's not fair to the consumer, but it does create a gap in uh, professionalism. Right. Like someone who knows how to navigate the rules and get through the gray, muddy waters to get that client to the table. It obviously, you know, uh, <laughs> it does give you a competitive edge. When but you, that doesn't do anything for the but you're navigating overall. something yeah. and you're hoping that you're navigating it correctly because right. we could get look, I, I hold my profession in very high regard i love what i do i think it's a great profession it's like but uh i don't and i don't want to lose that and i'm always worried that potentially the interpretation of the law that i believe to be fit or that we're, we're following it, i mean could you imagine if you did insurance and you didn't know the rules <laughs> it'd be awful but, i mean you don't just know like every business though uh, i feel like these rules have to have some type of flex and or gray area due to Every single situation is somewhat different, and if it was black and white, you would be basically cutting out a lot of people from obtaining loans, right? Right. No exceptions, this and that, here's the rule, which to your point would be very nice, and I I do like that, but at the same time, well, what about this? And that's where the gray areas are basically left to underwriter discretion, Right. right? So it's tough, right? 12 to 24 may or may not, right? And that's why X did it, but Y couldn't. Stupid sucks but stupid somehow that person got it so either scale the rule back to the minimum right just give me the months rule. just give me the rule that's what i want uh, give me yeah g- give me the rule i like it i just uh give I, me the rule sal what is the rule the rules then i think to be fair to everyone will have to be put to a minimum which to basically counter your what you like which is regulation means repealing them right if they want to empower consumers to be able to buy homes i like regulation on some level but i don't like dumb regulation sure so i just opened my phone i was gonna uh, i was gonna end the show i just need you guys to hear this um um this was the headline that i just popped up on my phone uh after eight days of itchy eyes oregon woman finds 14 worms gross let that sink in that's like the people went down to um the dominican Punakana or some wherever it was, and they walked on the beach, and the worms got into their legs. What are you, you What are you talking man. about? Man, that's <laughs> I'm horrible. serious. Look it up. No. Yeah. No, absolutely of, not. I'm not. A lot I'm not of people went to the beach down in. I I don't remember the exact place. Worms in their legs. But they walked. Lady the had worms in her eyes. And you know what's with all the worms? I don't know, man. That's tough. Okay, Isaac, tell people how they can get a hold of you. <laughs> worms. Call me. Call you. Email me. However you want. Um, you so, want the phone number? Yeah, that'd be probably pretty 248-628-2505 is the easiest one. Uh, again, 248-628-2505, and I will be happy to help you. Awesome. Sal? Have a good Wednesday. Yeah. So, everybody, uh, live on realestate.com. Send us your questions, your comments, whatever you want. There's a comment section, right? Yeah. The podcast app on your phone for most of the world. This is Kendrick Lamar. <laughs> Trying to fight back tears, flood on my
All right. Well, Have a good one. All right. All right. <laughs> 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 <laughs>